Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a golf course. 70 courses. Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret's just-arrived collection of swim and other sun-ready silhouettes. Pack your bags with new styles from the Very Sexy Collection, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra, in on-trend hues like green and citron and black shine. Rewind to the future with the VS Archives Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. Plus, mix and match with their wide range of bikini tops and bottoms to find your dream suit. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. This season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then, fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. Blakey Biscuit is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. Hi, welcome to Flaky Biscuit. Each episode here on Flaky Biscuit, we are cooking up delicious morsels of nostalgia. These are meals and recipes that have comforted and guided our guests to success. And I, I'm so excited about what I made today, mostly because I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm Brian Ford, cookbook author, TV show host, but most importantly, I love to cook and bake for people. I have someone incredibly special in my kitchen today. Someone who has broken boundaries, someone that is changing the course of history. She was recently appointed an instructor at the Culinary Institute of America, the CIA, and she is the first black female chef instructor in the school's history. Since its founding in 1946, this is groundbreaking, absolutely incredible feat. She's also a Food Network Chop Champion, recognized as a Forbes 30 Under 30 Overachiever in 2018, a James Beard Foundation featured chef, as well as a participant in the Foundation Chefs Boot Camps for Policy and Change. Wow, what a resume. Who am I? <laughs> Please welcome Chef... Rashara Sanders, hey. a.k.a. Chef Ro. Hey. What up? Thank you, Chef Brian. That was amazing. <laughs> Listen, you're actually changing. You've changed history, specifically in the culinary field in this country, but just Black history in general, American history. How's that make you feel? <laughs> I mean, I'm humble. You know, I'm very humble. And like I said, you know, it's all God. It's not me. It's all purposeful. And I'm just getting started. Listeners at home, she just locked eyes with me and said, I'm just getting started. You, made, you gave me goosebumps. Yeah. Look, 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 look at that. The camera yeah. picked it up. You gave me goosebumps. We just getting one. started. But before we jump into the stuff that's going to make us cry and proud, <laughs> what are you doing in New York? You're chilling, huh? I'm chilling. I'm hanging out. You know, New York is, I guess, a second home to me. My mom's from Queens. So to be in Queens and it's just nostalgic. This whole day is nostalgia for me. I came to see you, Chef. You're brilliant. You're talented. And we're going to talk about how you've impacted my life. So, you know, I'm coming for you. I, I, okay. All right. We can definitely spread the love. And that's what the show is all about. Nostalgia and love. I like how you said this day is nostalgic already. You know, I I, I live in Queens. I, mean, I don't know what part of what part of Queens. Uh, Jamaica, Jamaica Avenue. Oh, real mm-hmm. Queens. She's real Queens. I mean, we're in soft Queens right now. <laughs> 
Would you say that we're in soft queens? Yeah, yeah. You know, and she's you know, I mean, nineteen fifty eight. So she's a, a OG oh, baby wow. boomer. So it was, it was different back then. OG queens, mm-hmm. OG Jamaica queens. That's, talk to me about how the food was in Queens back then. Do you know anything? Well, about I'm from it? Connecticut. So you don't you so don't really don't, know the details really know the about details. like okay yeah so what do you eat in Connecticut? <laughs> Everybody says that there are people of color in Connecticut. Let's just say that first and foremost. We're out there. It's everything: Caribbean, Spanish, everything. We have everything. You know, a lot of seafood. Mm-hmm. We're by the coast, so fresh water, salt water, Long Island Sound, a lot of seafood. Connecticut's a damn. We're overrated. Well, underrated. Under, underrated. Underrated. So we're overlooked. Is what I'm trying to say. What city again is it? I'm from Bridgeport, Connecticut. Bridgeport. We just had two chefs, James Beard nominated for Northeast. Okay. Um. So we we we're we're here. So it's going down. It's going down in Connecticut. Okay. It's like, going down. Like they might like some good like bambusa yeah. type we, situation. I don't or? know about all that, but <laughs> one 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 thing at a time. We're coming though. But we do have good eats. We okay. Do. All yeah. right. Shout out Connecticut. Shout out. <laughs> shout out the overlooked and underrated Connecticut. But anyway, we are not here to talk about Connecticut's food scene as. Honestly interested I am in learning more about it. We're here to talk about a very special dish that you've enjoyed for the holidays. Tell our listeners what the nostalgic dish I made is for you. Okay, so you have made today my favorite of all time. Of course, cornbread. We can't do anything <laughs> holidays without cornbread. Cornbread first and foremost. Rice and gandules mm-hmm. and some benny pork shoulder succulent beautiful roasted mm. chicharron i hope you got that chicharron nice and crispy at the top <laughs> that's 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 the most important thing when you're making something nice so you know we'll get to that there, there, <laughs> there may or may not have been some technical difficulties right. during the process however i think <laughs> from a flavor perspective you should be pleased but yeah well so describe this dish to me you know when is the first time you had it when's the first time you remember it and when is the first time you realize how special it was to you? Okay, so... If they're um, two different times. I mean, it's... No, I think it all happened at the same time. A, a lot of people don't know this about me. I am African-American and Caribbean, so my father's Jamaican. But I don't know my father. So I was raised by two women. And my stepmother is Puerto Rican. Mm. She's raised me since I was one years old. So I think maybe by the age of seven, you start to get memories. This is probably the first meal I can remember mm. from my stepmother. My Her mother, which is my grand. I don't know my biological grandparents. My grandfather, World War II veteran, passed away. My grandmother never got to meet her. So my stepmother's family has raised me and taken me on. So I feel like I'm like half black and Puerto Rican, to be honest. The first holiday I can remember... Rice and gandules, beni, pasteles, arroz con pollo, pollo quisao, anything that you can think of Puerto Ricans making um, acapuquia, anything that you can think of, I was introduced to as a child. Wow. Yeah. Let me tell you something right now. You're speaking, <laughs> you're speaking my love language, yeah. like that kind of food. I've been to Puerto Rico, it was like a couple weeks. And I'm jealous that you were able to enjoy that food since you were very young. Yes. Because that's like, that's very special food. I actually feel like Puerto Rican cuisine is underrated globally. Really? I think so. I think it's top five. Describe to me the flavor profiles then. You know, you, right. so the listeners out there who may have never had pernil or uh, arroz con gandules, I hope y'all have had cornbread. If you're listening <laughs> to the Flaky Biscuit podcast and you've never had cornbread, turn off your radio, go buy a box of Jiffy, <laughs> make it, and eat some cornbread. I'm not going to judge you. I'm going to support you. But please go eat some cornbread. Absolutely. But to my initial question, describe these flavors that you're talking about. Uh, Puerto Rican cuisine, to me, you know, I'm speaking from my own perspective, is savory. A lot of freshness. Like, so my stepmother, Maria, she used to make homemade sofrito, mm. right? Yes. Um, recaito and cilantro or culantro, right? Which is used all over the Caribbean and garlic and onions and peppers. And, you know, she would freeze that and we have it all winter. A lot of savory things, spices, herbs. I love rice. Mm. Rice is all over the Caribbean as well. As African-American, I feel like rice is a staple. Absolutely. So gandules is my favorite pigeon piece, right? So you can have kidney beans, you can have black eyed peas. But for me, gandules is a special texture. Like we're talking about Benny today, just that, like I said, that succulent pork. And I don't even eat pork, but let me tell you, I don't eat pork, but I'm telling you, I'm eating pork on Thanksgiving. Yeah. I'm eating pork for Christmas. I'm eating pork for Three Kings. Yeah. Okay. And, and you're eating pork right now. And I'm eating pork today, right? Because it's holidays. This is the holidays, right? I do want to backtrack a little bit. Some of the listeners probably don't know exactly what sofrito is. I know that you mentioned some of the ingredients, but... Is this something that you make often? Do you I make, do make you, sofrito. Yeah, tell me quickly the process. Like, what's in sofrito? 
What's the process of making it and why is it so important in Puerto Rican cuisine? I think sofrito is the base of everything. Mm -hmm. It gives you flavor to whatever, your soups, your stews, your rice, your, if you make the penne, you can marinate it. It's, I guess it's a marinade, if you could say. Kind of yeah. like jerk. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If you're Jamaican, you know that jerk marinade or whatever jerk spices is a wet base because you're mm -hmm. going to cook the garlic, you're going to cook the onions, mm -hmm. you're going to cook the herbs. Mm -hmm. You're gonna, Even if it's tomato base, you're going to cook down the tomatoes and I puree it. Mm -hmm. And then I use it on everything. Mm -hmm. So if I'm making rice, I'm going to put the sofrito in the pan first. I'm going to parch the rice and then I'm going to add the water. Oh, shit. So sofrito <laughs> not only gives flavor, it's going to give coloring as well. Yeah. So it's a base. It's a marinade for everything. Mm -hmm. Wow. I'm like, damn. Now I'm like, oh man, what, <laughs> what have I gotten myself into? I, gotta, I have to. Did I you make it? You bought it. Buying it is good too. I, 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 I'm busy, man. I bought it. Yeah, no. I think you can buy I sofrito. Little, I bought a little can of sofrito, guys. Yeah. Hey. Which one? Tomato base or? Uh, tomato base. Okay. I like yeah. the tomato base too. Yeah. Depends on what you you're making. You use light, light amounts of it. No, I, I just oh, you heavy. Got, you go heavy. I'm going heavy. Guys, I think uh, I fucked <laughs> That's up. That's a flavor. <laughs> I need the flavor. I love onions. I love garlic. Yeah. I love tomato. And then you stew it down and you cook it and you just pull out and extract all of that. You know, this it's a holiday meal and I think we really need to talk about every component of this dish. I want to talk about that pernil. It's typically shoulder picnic, you mm -hmm. know. Some people will use different parts of the pork to try to kind of replicate. Talk to me about what you consider to be the perfect pernil. What when it goes into your mouth happens? What do you taste? What are the textures? You mentioned that crispy top, which mm -hmm. you may or may not be getting today. <laughs> but if you're not familiar with what pernil is and how it's cooked in Puerto Rico, I want you to pay attention to what Chef Rose is about to say. Right. So for me, it bani pork in general coming to the Americas and the Caribbean is talking about history. Yep. Right. Because we know pigs were brought over by the Spaniards. So when we talk about colonization, we really get into the history of Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. So that's what I look at when I see the pig. And that succulent, that juiciness, that slow roast of my stepmother, Maria. I mean, she got to cook her penne for minimum, minimum at least five hours. Mm. That's a long time in the oven. So that that meal is cooked with love. Mm -hmm. I feel like me, especially, I'm a young chef and I got things to do. I be rushing food. Yeah. And sometimes it tastes like crap, right? Because I'm <laughs> rushing, I'm going, I got to go, I got to move. Right? Yeah. But something like that, that takes five hours, four hours, six hours, depending on who you are, that's cooked with love. Because we're talking about the pork shoulder. If you know anything about an animal, if an animal's walking, right, a lot of tension, a lot of muscle, this is something that has to be slow cooked, either as a braise or as a roast. We got to break down that connective tissue. We got to break down that collagen, et cetera, et cetera. So when you slow roast something, you're pulling out all of the juices. You're making sure this is super fatty and beautiful, right? Because it's pork, it is fatty as well. So, you know, you're going to trim off some of that fat, but you really want the fat cap because that's what turns into that chicharron, right? Mm -hmm. um, I'm from Bridgeport, Connecticut. We consider that the hood of Connecticut. So I'm, <laughs> I remember going to the corner store again, pork rinds, right? So all of that, it reminds me of that. That's that nostalgia. So that crunchiness on the outside and then that tender shoulder that's been cooked and roasted for four to five hours. Babe, go get a bag of chicharrones from the bodega real quick. We need to... <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, <laughs> we right? Some, we need to add some texture to, yeah, to what I made. It's good. Uh, you know, it's that I, crunchy, that soft, that gelatinous. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm talking about? I, you know you eat oxtails, it's gelatinous. You got to suck that bone. Right. So I feel like Benny has that same... Because <laughs> under that chicharron, you still get that fatty part. And I, I eat it. I ain't going to hold you. You got to eat I'm it. I'm going to eat it. You got to. I mean, like, for now, while we're young. For now, while maybe I'm young. Maybe once we hit My that doctor's good. appointment. My heart good. Maybe in the 40s. But we're remember, gonna... this is a holiday meal. We're not eating yeah, it every so often. No, we're not well, eating it every week or every, every other day. You know, growing up in my household, eating protein was... A specialty. We're not mm. eating it every meal. Correct. You we know? used to call it Sunday food. Exactly. Like we, my, my dad would make a roast. That might be the only time we eat meat. Exactly. I'm kind of in awe with how naturally you're able to describe cooking processes. The way you just that's a, that was just thing. I was, yeah, like, why that you, teacher. I was like, why are you so good at describing this? Because right food now? is like, science, <laughs> yeah. and people don't understand that it is spiritual. Mm. So you know, if you Brazilian candomblé, you know voodoo and Haiti, you like all of these. Uh, food is cooked around ceremonies too. Mm. Use the spiritual aspect for me. Spirituality, though I'm a Christian, is like while wow, somebody cooks something for me, and I feel that energy in that food. That pig has sacrificed its life for me, so it's spiritual, mm -hmm. right? And it's love, okay, and it's is nourishment. So not only is it that, it's science. Mm -hmm. Because the thing about this, you can buy a pork shoulder 
or you can buy a piece of steak depending on what cut it is. You can't just sear anything. You right. might have to braise it. You right. might. It, th- right. There's certain cooking techniques that you need to know before you just get anything. If you get a chicken breast, are you going to sear the chicken breast? Are you going to braise it? Are you going to stew it? Mm-hmm. It just kind of just depends. You need to know what the end result is so you can know the cooking process. I pay attention to stuff like that. Like, for example, I've actually, as a young chef, I had duck legs and I seared them. And it was like chewing on a rubber shoe. Oof. Because I because I don't understand that. That's where the toughness, because ducks swim all day, right? They're walking, so the legs are tough. You have to braise them or you have to confit them. I wish I knew you when we were in France last year, because remember when I got them duck legs? It was tough. I mean, I just like seared that. Like, they were but big. you can't. No, yes. you can. <laughs> but you, if you don't, but you can't. You, can't, you know, you got to understand, like, this technique is for this cut. Wow. All right. What I love the most is how you started with the history, with the work you're doing. Obviously, we kind of dabble in the same things, but I love when I talk to someone and you ask them about a dish. You didn't start with the pork and the tenderness and the cook time. You started with, well, you got to understand where pigs even came. How did they even get here? Because, Mm -hmm. you know, like in Cuba, the original Cuban sandwich was not with pork. It was a a hard tapioca starch based bread with vegetables. Right. And when they brought those pigs into the Mm -hmm. Antilles area, they started cooking it and putting it in the bread. And that's how it evolved. So it's interesting. Obviously, I, you know, I know you and I knew that we would get down a little bit, but I love that that's how you lead. Right. Because food, like whether it's chocolate or vanilla, pork rice right any of these staples like if you talk about vanilla you're really talking about or cinnamon Mm -hmm. like you're talking about colonists setting up monopolies right in indigenous lands and just like stripping them of what they had and 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 taking it for themselves right and if we want to honor these people we got to talk about the history of food we have to i'm going to honor puerto rico i got to talk about the history of puerto rico or jamaica Mm -hmm. or cuba like you're saying or even african-american like if we're talking about rice we need to talk about Gullah Geechee. We need to talk about West Africa. Uh, we got to talk yep. about Senegal. We got to talk about Nigeria. We can't just talk about rice. It's the backbone <laughs> of, yes. I mean, I agree with you. Enslaved people were mm-hmm. really the backbone of most, if not all, cooking and baking traditions. Right. I mean, in Latin America, when it comes to baking, it's easy to attribute Europeans with, oh, like, clearly this looks like a baguette or this looks like, you know, bandu, that looks like brioche or whatever. But people forget that it wasn't just Europeans that pulled up. They brought a bunch of African people with Absolutely. them that they had enslaved. And those were the people actually making exactly. the food and exactly. the bread. So it's not. They were the original teachers. They were the original teachers because <laughs> they were the ones actually made. It's like the restaurants here today. You go to Italian restaurant. It's owned by some Italian guy, but right. it's us in the kitchen cooking the exactly. food. Exactly, especially the Hispanic it. culture. Listen, pasta. every restaurant I've ever worked in, a hundred percent Hispanics in the kitchen. Yeah. you got to learn some kitchen Spanish. Period. You got to. You have to because yeah. those are the people in the kitchen. So I want to pay homage and I want to give respect to those people because they taught me everything I know. Yeah, honestly. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with dust-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. 
Summon your anticipation for an all new season of our favorite Netflix series, Bridgerton. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? And meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. And I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. All right, all right, let's just jump back in. Time for us to eat. I think it's time for me to present to you what I made, explain to you what I did to make it. Have you absolutely destroy it. And move on. Don't hold back. So I'm going to take a moment. I'm going to step over to the stove, serve up a couple plates. All right, thank you. I'm I'm waiting on you. I see that cornbread over there in the corner. All right. Are you on beer? I'm going for round two. Uh, I need another one, chef. Thank you. Um, all right, so here's how this goes down. Talk to me. Take a bite. Let's, Which, let's, where do you want me to start? Let's it just... smells good. The aroma is beautiful. Okay. Talk to me about the cornbread. It looks super moist. Oh, okay. Buttery. <laughs> I you were about to say it looks super dry. I was like, <laughs> no, it looks moist. I think that shit got kind of dry. I put the gravy from the pernil all over okay. it just now. Why? Um, because you feel like it's dry? Because I baked it earlier and it just kind of, <laughs> it's not like warm out of the oven. Okay. And like I thought it might be dry. So I just kind of drenched it in some sauce. Okay. You think it's um, going to save you? Let's see. No, I think I'm about to get shit on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. All right, um, Chef. You know, I love you though. Look. It ain't like my mom's, but. Uh... It is so. <laughs> <laughs> We do not serve cornbread at Artisan Brian Bakery. No one, no customers need to worry about it. <laughs> it's um, good. The flavor is good. It is a little dry. Listen, the cornbread came out a little dry. I, I Talk did... to me about your recipe. Well, the, first of all, the recipe lives on Chinaland.com. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we would definitely want to get our okay. listeners over there okay. to try it out. I've made several different iterations of cornbread. You know, just using corn flour, obviously, getting some of that butter going. I, I know that, you know. Corn flour? Not cornmeal. Corn, cornmeal. Like okay. literally, literally this, this blend that's right here on the Fine. table. <laughs> I, think, I think part of the issue is like that's a blend of three different types. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like that's a blend of three different types a of flour. corn flour. Okay. You know what I think, honestly, the issue is that I think there's masa harina in there too. Mm. I think there's nixtamalized corn in there. Okay. Which can affect texture, which can absorb a little bit too much moisture. Mm. You know, so I, I, I think that there was like a, a technicality. Okay. And not necessarily um, my fault. <laughs> it was a technicality I that I did not, I was not aware of. Okay. And the rice, the arroz con gandules, not trying to reinvent the wheel here. Like, you already know what it is. I mean, I almost... The rice is bomb. Okay, the rice is bomb. The rice is bomb. You know what? Before I explain, just tell me what you're tasting. The rice is bomb. I do taste the sofrito. The rice is cooked really nicely. It's not overcooked. It's not mushy. It's not super dry or super crunchy. It's not like you're making paella for me. You know, I'm happy (laughs) to make uh, arroz con pollo for me. But the chicken and the rice is super crunchy Mm. because they've got that caramelization at the bottom. So I don't like that. It's called picao. Or Kong 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 Kong. I think Dominicans call it that. Yeah, so yeah, 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 that's yeah. not what you're looking for in no. arroz and gandules. Mm. So this is good. I like this a lot. The beni is very good too, chef. All right. Sorry, I haven't eaten today, so I'm gonna just like take two. <laughs> savage. He's being a savage, y'all. Y'all hear him? <laughs> okay. I need you to tell me where, where you're going. Where's um, your mind going? The beni is really good. The beni is very, very good. It's very tender. It's very juicy. I see what you mean when you say the chicharron is not crunchy. Talk to me about that. I think it's perfect. It reminds me of my stepmother's. It's mm-hmm. very good. It's mm-hmm. seasoned perfectly well. But so, what happened with the chicharron? <laughs> what happened with the chicharron? <laughs> I feel like I'm in uh, I'm in class. I'm in class with you right now. I'll show you what happened with it. <laughs> you need a broiler. What happened? Oh, Instapot. 
So Chef cheated everybody. He has an Instapot. So the Instapot got a super juicy but not crunchy. Exactly. <laughs> That's what people with time constraints do. <laughs> they use pressure cookers. No, that so was smart I, though. Yeah, and as soon as he started talking about it and as soon as my memory was going, I was like, damn, that's just, I, did, I did not even think about getting that crunch right. You could do that, um, but you got to finish it in the oven. you got to finish it in the oven. You got to finish it in the oven. All right. So the recipe on Shangalan.com, obviously, <laughs> you know, with the pernil, you know, this we're talking about slow roasted marinated pork shoulder or picnic, garlic, oregano, adobo, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? A nice combination to get that. I did it the quick way. Maybe I cheated. Maybe I didn't. But our listeners are dying to know, chef. Did I bring you back to your holiday table? And if not, where did I bring you? You did bring me back to the holiday table. I feel it. I, I feel good. I'm happy. I'm laughing. I feel positive. We have good vibes, good energy. So you definitely brought me back to the holiday table. I think just a cornbread. <laughs> <laughs> a fucking baker that can't make cornbread. Just a cornbread, chef. That's it. You know, honestly... I feel kind of embarrassed. We all, every, something will go wrong. For the viewers, something, or the listeners, something will go wrong. Yeah. That's, in the that's kitchen. Fair. I like I like. It's that. never going to be a perfect day. I like that. That's your show. Something will go wrong. Something will go wrong. And then you tell listeners how to fix it with all your knowledge. <laughs> all right. So, listen, you've had such an esteemed career already, and you're quite young. How did the nostalgia of food, the nostalgia of this meal in Puerto Rican cuisine and your upbringing get you from that holiday table to becoming an iconic chef in, you know, the culinary world right now? I mean, I guess I just feel like food gave me my purpose. Some of you may know my story, but I served six years in the United States Army, Iraq and Afghanistan combat veteran. So when I joined the military, I knew when I got out, I had to be a chef. And I feel like growing up in food and having my Puerto Rican grandmother and my uncles and my aunts and Titi, whoever, and Uncle Macho, whoever. And then I come from a black background. So my mom's making collard greens and, you know, she's doing her fried chicken. I was like, damn, this is giving me a purpose. It really gave me a way to get out of the military and survive. So I feel like the nostalgia of being raised in the kitchen, like my mom was raising me by herself and wow. her first job off of the streets. She was in the streets was a soul food restaurant called Bert's place in Bridgeport. Okay. Um, I was running around the kitchen at two years old, just seeing my mom cook. So I, it showed me a way for my mom to get off the streets. It was a way for my stepmother to help her mental health mm. because she struggles with depression. Oh. So the only time I really saw her at her happiest moment in that relationship and that marriage that my mother and my stepmother had was over food. So it got me out of the military. It got my mom off the streets and it helped my stepmother with depression. So I I owe food everything. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And it sounds like mental health is, is really important to you. Is, yeah. is this something in this industry that you advocate for and actively work towards improving for yourself, for others? Yeah. I mean, for me personally, like I said, it is, you know, when I got home from Afghanistan, I was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you could go to the VA, they're going to try to give you pills and all this stuff like that. I'm like, you know what? I find myself finding peace when I'm cooking. So then let me do that. Wow. Let me do that. So mental health is real in the industry. You know, chef, we come from a toxic industry, whether you're baking in pastry or you're in the culinary side. We come from that era of shut up, do what you're told and, you know, be quiet and the yelling and the screaming. I've lived that in the kitchen. I've Mm -hmm. lived that in the kitchen. And, you know, I just go into my happy place. I kind of work with my head down. I can't think about anything else, but don't burn nothing. <laughs> Make sure it tastes good. You know, so food is just my escape. Right. It's my escape. You know, I've actually worked with women veterans who suffer from sexual assault in the military and they found their way back to their marriages and they found their way back to their children through food. Wow. So teaching them culinary skills, they can bring it back to their household. They can rebuild these relationships. Mm-hmm. So when I saw that, I'm like, okay, this is something that is real. Food can help mental health. Anything can. You might like golf. You might go out, play golf. You might like basketball. Mm-hmm. We all have our things. But for me, food is um, my peace. And honestly, we going back to spirituality. Food is the way I see God. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, we talk about the DNA of a seed. You got 100 species of apples. You got all of these things. It's like, wow, God is real. God exists. How can, who made this? Mm-hmm. I didn't make it. <laughs> it wasn't me. It's such a big picture. Mm-hmm. So for me, food is a way to defeat depression and mental health. It's wow. just one avenue. Yeah. 
and it's the most delicious avenue. It is. I mean, everyone wants to eat, right? Yeah. So why not, you know, become dedicated? I, I have to say that I relate to a lot of what you're saying. I suffer from anxiety, panic right. disorder, stuff like that. It's a chef's thing. Don't worry. I'm with you. It's a chef's thing. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. I mean, it... it <laughs> It's, it's a, a people yeah. thing. Yeah, Talk like, about a Bridget. She like, preaching, right? I heard that. <laughs> who doesn't have a panic disorder in today's right, world? In today's like, world. <laughs> but no, I, I I found many, many days of feeling at peace baking. Right. And, you know, I used to be a cook on the line in New Orleans late nights. Mm-hmm. I caught what I call gremlin activity. Mm-hmm. You know, it's New Orleans, first right. of all. The cooking culture there is a little intense. And when I started baking, I realized how much more peaceful it could be to serve people food. Right. I'm a morning person. I act, I activate fully. Right. Like when I wake up, I'm ready to like accomplish. <laughs> I'm like so ready for my day to start. Right. Not really a night person. So I'm waking up tomorrow at three to go do this bake. It's quiet. There's no mm-hmm. no one's around, no one to bother you. No one's gonna text me at I mean three in the morning, right, right. four in the morning. The city is asleep. And I just right. I find so much like solace, peace yeah. and solace mm-hmm. in baking because of that. Now, obviously the flip side, tired. <laughs> it's yeah. like it's you know, it is kind of a rigorous thing to get people their bread in the morning. So I can relate to what you're saying, seeing food as a way to overcome mental health struggles because it's definitely been the vehicle that's propelled my mind into better places. But then, you know, there's the flip side, you know, the social media, the expectations. Right. Now, there's expectations Fuck that you expectations. have. expectations. I, I don't got no expectations. <laughs> Wait, talk to me about that. What do you mean by well, that? I don't. I, I want to do I, I hear I this. I do what I want when I want. I do not subscribe to posting every day and because life is too short. One day you're going to wake up. One day you're not going to wake up. So God woke me up today. This is the day that God has given me. I'm going to do what I need to do to make me feel good. And social media does not make you feel good all the time. No. A lot of comparison and oh, this person's doing that. And it, what is it? What I use social media for is inspiration. I, that's how I met you. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm researching. I'm like, who's this Afro-Latino over here doing these big things? And I was inspired by you. Other than that, I, I don't because it can sink you. It can really drown your mental health. Yeah. I'm, so if we don't learn the balance, then it's, it's a negative. Mm-hmm. So fuck the expectation. I don't know what kind of spiritual energy happened today, but I really <laughs> needed to hear that. It's, it's a lot to keep up with. It's, it's little, tiring. It's insanely coincidental that you just said what you said, because it is very difficult to maintain. You know, it's something that I think I need to do. But listen, right? don't attach your success or don't attach your worth to social media. If you don't post for the next six months, you are still Brian Ford. You understand what I'm saying? It doesn't matter. You still got own your own bakery. You people wake up in the morning, they come see you. You start their day. Social media is fake. It doesn't. It's not real. It's not. Bridget, you told them this. Bridget shaking her head. No, we like chef. It's Ro, not chef, real. You have no idea. It's confirmation. We, it's not real. It's not. It's not. It's not attached to who you are. You think when God created you, God created you like, oh, Brian's gonna be on social media? No, <laughs> you have a bigger purpose. Because if social media crashed tomorrow. Is your purpose, exactly. is it dead? No. 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 It's bigger than social media. And also intertwining all, sometimes like business endeavors or income or whatever, if it's too tightly tied into that, right. then it's like, yeah, if it does crash, well, how am I eat? You're going to eat. You're going to well, eat. I'm going to eat. You're going to eat. I'm definitely going to eat. I don't even look at it like that. Because if you do that, like, oh, I got a post and I got this brand and I got that brand looking at me and I might get this show. You're going to eat. If it's for you, it's for you. Mm-hmm. Whether you want so I'm not a social media person per se, mm-hmm. right? I post when I need to put. I haven't posted in three weeks. I'm almost mm-hmm. going on a month. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But I'm in negotiation to do things with these media companies. And I ain't even post mm-hmm. because they love me. They love my spirit. You know what I'm saying, chef? That's real shit. Wow. That's cheers. That's like, this I don't need to, unreal. you know what I'm saying? I, I, li- I Listen, I'm wearing, I'm wearing the Uncle Nearest shirt. It says I'm making black history. I made one post. One post, the CEO of Uncle Nearest, Fawn Weaver, sent me a whole care package with a letter. and a, That was one post. I wasn't out there, Uncle Nearest, Uncle Nearest. Uh, that was one post. Mm-hmm. A so real post. That was just a real, a genuine, just one just... genuine post. I'm, this is what I'm doing. I like the brand. But she respects me. Mm-hmm. Social media is there. It's an avenue. It's good for inspiration. It is good to market. It has its pros, but it has its cons. But I want you know young influencers to know, like, listen, if you take a break, you might need a break. Yeah. You might need a break, but you're still worthy. 
because it's not about social media. It's about what you're doing for people mm -hmm. and their spirit and mm -hmm. your spirit. I, I'm kind of speechless right now. <laughs> That's wild. I feel like it's something I think is difficult to navigate, but I'm starting to realize it's not difficult right. because it's a choice. It's a choice. It's a choice to scroll. It's a choice mm -hmm. to compare. It's a choice to get consumed. A lot to talk about. I could, again, I, you know, <laughs> we. I can't wait to crack beers with you another time, but there's obviously articles and this and that that we can read about you. But, you know, your journey through the CIA, I think you said one black instructor, he was a male in the culinary arts department. Like that was the only black instructor you've That's ever seen. Right. And that's wild. Yeah. So I want to hear a little bit more about where, you know, there's a clear lack of representation and there's a clear need to change that. Mm -hmm. Right. How were those first moments in there? How did you feel? Talk to me. I mean, for me, as an alumni, I had in the culinary arts department, one black chef. And I think in the pastry arts department, we had another black chef, two men. And I never saw a woman especially women of color there. So when I got the opportunity to get the job, I applied and I said, what do I got to lose? So when I got the job and the New York Post announced I'm the first black woman and it just went kind of, I don't want to say viral, but it, it did make a spark. Mm -hmm. It was my legacy has just activated. I've always had a legacy, but this is like the first time in history, like you said, in 76 years, we're, we're celebrating our 76th anniversary this fall at the CIA. And I'm, honored and I'm grateful to be that first black woman mm -hmm. because I'm coming with a force. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm coming with a force and I, I didn't come to play. And a lot of my students now have somebody who looks like them. Right. So it starts with one. It starts with two. Now it's three. And like like I said, how I met you, I have been developing the cuisines and cultures of Africa and its diaspora and the Americas concentration. So at the CIA, we have the Japanese concentration. We have Barcelona, Spain. We have I think Singapore might be a concentration. So these students are able to immerse themselves in this culture and travel abroad to these locations to really be developed in this cuisine. So now we have the cuisines and cultures of Africans diaspora. And I think the challenge for this course is when you say diaspora, yeah. it's the journey of people. We're not just going to Japan. We can go to South Carolina. We go to New Orleans. We can go to Brazil. We can go to Cuba. We can go to Nigeria. We can go to et cetera, Congo, wherever. Mm. Right now, the, the class has been approved campus-wide. All campuses, all branch, Napa voted on it. Singapore voted on it. What? San Antonio voted on it. High Park has voted on it. Because they all have to see the curriculum before we usher something new in. And you created this. I created this. it. I wrote, I went to Yale. I got a library card. I used Yale's library, digital library. I was there for eight hours a day, reading books, talking to people. You know, Dr. Harris was influential, just kind of setting the groundwork, telling CIA, you need to get this done. She's the mother of this shit. You know, mm -hmm. Dr. Harris, um, she just got a lifetime achievement. Yeah. We, we were there at the yeah. family reunion watching her get honored. And, you know, you got Alexander Smalls there. You got Pierre TM was influential. Um, Maricera Pasilla was influential helping me. And Kevin Mitchell, who's in South Carolina. So I had great mentors. But when I say reading the books and sitting there and my eyes hurting in front of the computer and you know, me developing every recipe for this class. Me, you know, that's why I called you because I found you when I was looking up Honduras and Afro-Panamanian and Belize. And I just didn't really know where to go when I was talking about Latin America. Mm -hmm. And I, I stumbled across you and Isaac Villaverde. Mm -hmm. Isaac's from Panama. And you guys really helped me navigate this Afro-Latino cuisine. Mm -hmm. So now we're at the CIA. We're trying to say, finally, people of color have a seat at the table. Yeah. Because like you just said, you talk about French cuisine, you talk about all these European cuisines, but it's like, why do black people not have a seat at the table? I'm here to break those glass ceilings to make sure we have a seat at the table. It's developed, but whether I teach it or not, it could be another black woman, it could be another black, and I don't, who cares who teaches it? It, it could just be needs a white, to be, it should be a white person teaching maybe, that shit. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we had a, actually a, a pilot that it was a white Jewish man. He's a mentor of mine great ally but students were like we want to see somebody of that's color fair. teaching this class I suppose that's fair he's great but he's not black yeah how are you talking about african-american cuisine or afro-caribbean or whatever you're talking about but you're not actually a person mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying if i'm french yeah, i need to be teaching french cuisine i'm a black woman do you want me to teach french or do you want to get somebody from france i suppose that's like if you go to a school or whatever if you go to a college 
you'll see a, a black professor teaching things that white people did, you know, or, you're, right. you know, so it's like. But this is our food. This is, that's true. Yeah, that, <laughs> this is yeah, different. Yeah, yeah. That's, so, so have you eaten you it? You gotta learn. Yeah, that's exactly. what I'm saying. Exactly. I mean, are, if you're a white man, have you had a goosey soup? Maybe he's no had it, right? That's what I'm saying. But has and has he made fufu? <laughs> yeah. And even as a black woman, I haven't even. Yeah. I'm not even fully equipped to be honest. I'm from Connecticut, and I'm really real about that. I am the only black woman teaching there in Connecticut currently. So right now, I'm the only person that can really teach it. But I want to bring more people on. That's fair. You're doing the the role to get people in the door of like, hey, listen, like I'm black and I want to teach this, but you want to bring in yeah. people with so even there's more, more people authentic than me. So the there's so many. The authenticity yeah. of the teacher at the CIA is going to be more important it than is. anything. I mean, I'm black, yes, but I'm not African. Mm-hmm. I've been Africa twice. Mm-hmm. Going to Africa twice doesn't mean anything. You know, you could spend your whole life, like Nigeria, I could teach this whole concentration in 15 weeks just on Nigeria. Mm-hmm. I'm black and I'm honored to do it and I've written it, but I do feel like there's other candidates. Listen, we hiring. That's what I'm trying to say. We are hiring <laughs> at the Colonial of America. Brian Ford, if please come back, let us know. We need Afro-Caribbean, Afro-Latino, West African, North Africa. It doesn't matter. We need that in the baking and pastry department too. I'm coming. I can Students only imagine are, how white the bread and pastry program is. It's probably the whitest thing at the CIA. It is. So we don't even, they don't even know. You will be teaching people that have been cooking and baking for 20 something years. You, you're going to be teaching. I'm teaching people about this cuisine mm-hmm. that I've been teaching since I've been born. Right. And, and, and it must be an interesting <laughs> dynamic to feel that, right? Stay flaky. We'll be right back. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of our favorite Netflix series, Bridgerton. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad, is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor, and meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. And I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. Welcome back to Flaky Biscuit. Let me tell y'all something right now. Let's go. Chef Rose <laughs> is the most confident, intelligent. The energy I'm feeling is just different. Thank you. You're bringing a different energy to me. I feel like I'm learning from you. 
And I am honored Thank that you. you're here, not the other way around. Thank you for coming on Flaky Biscuit. We are not done. We have a couple <laughs> more things to go over. Here at Flaky Biscuit, we like to play a fun little trivia game. You know, it's no pressure, you know what I'm saying? Just a couple <laughs> questions. Just gonna ask you some questions. All right, you ready? Yes. In which popular Jamaican dish is the plant or fruit the main ingredient? Uh, I'm gonna give you some. I'm oh, gonna give you options. Right. Don't worry. It's not like a, if it was a blank, that would be. Uh, so, is it cornmeal porridge? Is it aki? Aki. <laughs> and saltfish. Aki and saltfish. <laughs> I was gonna say that before you even answered. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> What's the third option? Yeah, no, I'm not even gonna, I'm not even, no, you, you have exposed me. So I'm not extremely familiar with this dish. Talk to me about it. It's like, I mean, you know, but we're talking about Puerto Rican food, you well, know, yeah, bacalao, no, no. Yeah, sawfish, sawfish, of course, dry cod, which was the way of preserving things preserving back things. in the day. And that... Aki is a Caribbean fruit mm -hmm. and it's just sweet. It gives you that sweetness and then that salty, um, I guess, umami mm -hmm. flavor profile you would but it's, I don't know if it's Jamaica's national dish. Don't quote me, but I think it is. Can we Google that real quick? Yeah, let's Google it. Bridget, can you Google that? Yes. And I think you have to eat Aki in a certain season. Yes. It is. Hey, ding, ding, wow. ding, 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 ding. ding. I think you have to eat Aki in a certain season or a certain way because I think all of it's not edible or there's something, something's poisonous in it. So there, it's, Ooh, it's not just you got to cook it a certain processed. way, the way it's processed. Same with yucca. You guys right. like got that like cyanide situation right. where right. Like, <laughs> you don't. So <laughs> yeah, it's Jamaica's national dish and... um. Wow, I feel like we should just end the game there. <laughs> we got one that maybe you ain't gonna know because okay. it's more of like a weird fact. <laughs> what food holds the world record for being the most stolen around the globe? And there's no options. You just have to pick because you... Which you, food mm -hmm. is the most stolen throughout... The, the world. The world. Which food? <laughs> Which food? Yeah. Think staples. Mm, that's a hard one. Well, can you help me? Is it a is it a spice? Is it I'll give you three options. Is it rice? Is it cheese? Or is it tomatoes? I'm gonna go with cheese. You are right. You are correct. Come on, man. Cheese is life. You've been stealing, you've been stealing cheese? I haven't stolen cheese, <laughs> but sorry, if it's Parmigiano-Reggiano, I might. Parmigiano-Reggiano. <laughs> oh, oh, speaking of Parmigiano-Reggiano. Cheese. <laughs> so that's two that's, out of two, Bridget, yeah? yeah two out of two, two, yes. We are two out of two here with Chef Ro. No surprise. Um, next question. If you have Magero, Magerocophobia. How you spell it? M-A-G-E-I-R. O C O. Okay. Phobia. Okay. Magiroco phobia. <laughs> what are you afraid of? Is it ants? Mm. Is it walking? Is it cooking? Or is it magnets? Magiro Coco. Let's do this thing where it Google tells us how to pronounce something. Magirocophobia. Majerocophobia. And now what is it again? Ants, walking, cooking, or are you afraid of magnets? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, is it cooking? Because we're on a cooking show. Yeah. Okay. Ding, ding, I'm like, ding, ding, ding. are people scared to cook? That's yeah, a thing. I suppose. Well, I think oh. I got that. I might have it. You might have that? Yeah. But you just told me to come up and you're going to cook for me. Yeah, but I might be a little scared. You don't get scared when you cook for people? I didn't get scared to serve you dry cornbread. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. Um, last part of Flaky Biscuit Podcast. Talk to me about the National Restaurant Association Education Foundation and what that means to you and what, what's in the pipeline with regards to it. So the NRAF is basically, we all know the National Restaurant Association. They're the not-for-profit sector of that. So we just kind of go around and raise money for scholarships because as an instructor, I see a lot of my students drop out, especially my students of color drop out because they can't afford school. So, you know, hopefully I'm going to be working with them to have my own scholarship and partnership with another brand or whatever, just to give back to the community. And I think I'll be able to 
build the criteria if you're a woman, if you're a person of color, if you're a veteran. I don't know. I think I'll be able to work with the NRAF to have some guidelines that we put in place to give scholarships back. Brian, we were at the family reunion and destined right? The kid who just showed up. I've been in contact with him. So he's a somebody who is passionate about cooking, but can't afford it. So what do we do to help people get money to go to these clinics? Whether it's Johnson & Wells, whether it's ICE, it doesn't matter. School costs money. I had to join the army just to go to school. Mm-hmm. I had to use a GI bill. Nobody should have to join the military to go to get an education. So they're close to my heart. I'm doing events with them. I'm doing pop-ups with them, all to sponsor and raise money for education. Wow. And how can we help? Is there a way to volunteer? Is a way um, to there's donate? always a way to volunteer. There's always a way to donate. Um, NRAF has a website and anything that I'm doing or with other chefs, just pop up and eat. Yeah. If you buy a ticket, those proceeds go to somebody's education. Amazing. Chef Rowe, one of the biggest inspirations that I have in the game right now Thank is you. you. <laughs> and I really encourage all the listeners of Flaky Biscuit to follow Chef Rowe, not just on social media, as we discussed, but in life pull up to the events, find ways to support and help make these changes. Thank Thank you so much for coming to Flaky Biscuit. Thank you. It's been an honor and a pleasure. (laughs) Until next time. Until next time. On that cornbread. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank y'all so much for tuning in today. Find the recipe for the pernil and that cornbread on Shondaland.com. I want to know how it goes. Make sure you tag me artisan brian and of course the magnificent chef row at chef row one two three post your photos let us know how you did remember chef row is a real deal chef don't play around when you make this recipe make sure your cornbread don't come out dry like mine did it was an accident <laughs> you can support the national restaurant association educational foundation at chooserestaurants.org all of these handles and links that i've mentioned are in the show notes for this episode you like flaky biscuit leave us that shiny five-star review you already know make sure you subscribe you like you share thank y'all for the support flaky biscuit is executive produced by sandy bailey alex alche lauren homan tyler clang and gabrielle collins our creative producer is bridget kenna and our editor and producer is nicholas harder with music by crucial recipes from flaky biscuit can be found each week on shondaland.com Subscribe to the Shondaland YouTube channel for more Flaky Biscuit content. Flaky Biscuit is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. This season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd.